just your thoughts on being eliminated from the playoffs second year in a row? And, and I don't know. What What are your thoughts? Well, I thought it was kind of a disappointing season. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah, pretty good. Appreciate your thoughts. The focus, the energy, the effort. Certainly it feels good to be in the number one seed, but we also know that it does not guarantee anything. I thought it was our most complete game in all three phases, and that's what we need moving forward. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. You know, getting dressed to go outside in the winter, especially when it's really cold, it's the dangest thing, right? It's an art form that unless you live here or you grew up here, you, just, you really wouldn't understand, right? Like I went ice fishing yesterday morning. We left the house at 645. Naturally, I laid some things out the night before, right? And then you got to remember, oh, bring in the boots from the porch. Make sure the coveralls aren't hanging up in the porch. You don't want to get into cold boots or cold coveralls in the morning. You get everything laid out. You want to dress in layers, but you want to make sure you're not too bulky, right? It's, it's, it's an art form. It takes years to perfect, years of maybe just doing outside things, hunting, fishing, or just existing in Wisconsin because it's cold as hell. This is what we learned this weekend, or in Minnesota, the Twin Cities, right? Anywhere around here. I want to know the process with which NFL coaches get dressed to coach on the sideline. And I brought this up during the game last night. Someone who works for the Packers on their social media team or whatever, do a video breakdown of, like, Matt LaFleur's fit. Like, because I'm assuming someone lays it out for him, all of the individual layers and things. I want to see that process. Am I the only one that's curious? He just had a vest on last night over what looked to be a really heavy sweatshirt. There's not a chance that there isn't, like, a battery pack in there heating him up or something. I got to know. Am I the only one that's really interested in this? I bet you'd ask fan bases from the South or from the coast. They wouldn't, eh, they wouldn't get it. But up here, I, I want to know. Does Matt LaFleur have a closet with all of these choices and he's picking and choosing and he's trying to figure it out? Like, th- there has to be a science to this. The NFL is a million, billion, trillion dollar league. There's got to be some thought that goes, some science that goes into this. I want to know. So if anyone's listening and you know someone with the Packers, their social media team, do a video next time they play. Round one in the playoffs, round two, the divisional round. When it comes time for Matt LaFleur to put his fit together, I want to know what goes into that. I am fascinated. And I know that all of you who live and and grew up and we do things outside in the winter, I know I'm not the only one that doesn't think about this. Right? Right? That was actually one of the more interesting parts of last night's game because the Vikings sucked. And so did that game. But the Packers won, so it's a good thing. And we're going to talk about it. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you had an excellent New Year's weekend. New Year's Eve, I did nothing. I barely made it past midnight. It's the best decision I ever made. Amazing. I went out on Saturday in the middle of the day, in the daylight, like a normal person. Had some drinks to celebrate the day after. Oh, it was great. I got a bunch of sleep, and I feel great. No hangovers, no nothing. Now, if you went out and partied, you did whatever for New Year's, hope you enjoyed it. There was some college football on. I don't know if we're going to talk about any of the playoff games. The Rose Bowl was outstanding. The Rose Bowl is one of my favorite things to watch, even if I don't have a team that's involved. Maybe we'll talk about that. Maybe we'll get to the playoff games today, although I'm thinking... No, at least not more than five or ten minutes tucked in at some point during the show. I obviously want to talk about Packers-Vikings. The Packers clinch their seeding. The Vikings are eliminated from the playoffs. There was a lot that was decided last night. And if you read columns or blogs leading up to this game, I know we had Matthew Collar on on Friday from Purple Insider. His column last week for Bring Me the News was, Oh, God, Lambeau is the graveyard. This is where the season is going to die. 
this is where they will be eliminated. Meanwhile, the Packers will clinch this and that. There was a lot that was decided, right? And the stage was so dramatically set in six-degree weather under the lights of Lambeau Field on NBC with Sunday Night Football, which just kind of amped up the theater and the drama of it all. Luckily, because the game did us nothing. I mean, the Packers won by 27 points, 37-10, the final score last night. So the Packers are the one seed. We're going to talk about that. We'll maybe break down the Vikings a little bit and what has gone really wrong with that team. I'm assuming they're going to move off of Zimmer and Spielman. They should move off of Zimmer and Spielman. And I might feel worse about saying that if Mike Zimmer didn't behave like a complete and total jerk in his press conference last night. Maybe we'll get to that later on in the show. Going to hear a little from Rodgers, a little from Lafleur, maybe from Devontae Adams as well as we look forward to week 18, which is now essentially meaningless. They'll play the Lions in Ford Field next week. 608-796-2558. Send me a text. Give me a call. You can follow and tweet at me during the show at Wisco Grant. You can tweet at me anytime, but especially during the show if you want to be involved uh, with what we're talking about. I would love to break down this game in detail and go through my notes, talk about all the little things and the nitpicks and the turning points and the big plays, but I don't know how how, how would I do that. How, do, how does one break down a hammer pounding a nail into a board? That's essentially what happened last night. That wasn't a game. That was a giant televised prank on the state of Minnesota and on Mike Zimmer and on this Vikings team. That's all this was. The only reason that us, Packers fans, sat there and watched this game start to finish was because our team was playing. If that was any other divisional rivalry, if that was Bengals-Steelers, if that was Cowboys football team, which is essentially what we got last week, Cowboys won by 50-some-odd points, nobody watched till the end. The only reason we watched till the end last night is because it's our team. And it was a celebration on national TV, and it was fun. Everyone else went to bed at halftime. That game sucked. So while I would love to break it down in detail, talk about all the little little tiny things, the X's and O's here and there, there's just no way to do that. This shouldn't even count as a game. This, this was dumb. That was fun, but it was dumb. And we really had everything figured out an hour before Packers-Vikings kicked off yesterday. Everything was sealed up at around 6.15 p.m. Everything was decided. Everything was laid out like a pair of snow pants and boots the night before you're going to go out in the winter weather early in the morning, right? It's all laid out, just ready for you to just grab and zip up, right? Yesterday could not have gone better for the Packers. All while they were sitting around waiting to play, everything fell into place. Their two biggest NFC rivals both got nailed with crushing losses. Michael Gallup tore his ACL for the Cowboys and the Cowboys lost, which allowed the Packers to then seal the number one seed last night with a win. And Antonio Brown just goes nut-nut. And runs off the field, and he's done now. He's just off the bucks. And that's what Bruce Arians said in his postgame process. He's done. So Antonio Brown, especially now, is a huge loss because Chris Godwin is already injured. And Michael Gallup, the depth of that receiving core is what makes Dallas so great. CeeDee Lamb isn't as good as Devontae Adams, and neither is Amari Cooper. But they have Lamb and Cooper and Dalton Schultz and Gallup. Losing number three, Michael Gallup, is a big part of what makes the Cowboys so good. In the AFC if we may be so bold as to peek to the other conference and think about a potential Super Bowl matchup, the Chiefs, who were probably the highest ceiling, most dangerous AFC team, lost control of the one seed by losing in Cincinnati, which was an awesome game. I think Andy Reid bungled it a little bit down the stretch. The refing tilted towards Cincy a little bit, but I, Cincy, I have no quarrel with them. They're, oh God, they're fun to watch. And Jamar Chase is a stud, and we might bring them up later to use some examples about running versus passing the football. But the AFC worked out beautifully for the Packers. The Chiefs took a big hit. And if you care about the MVP, which we all kind of do, it's not the thing, but it's a thing we care about. Tom Brady needed a huge defensive stand and a game-winning drive to beat the Jets, who were terrible. 
They were two touchdown favorites over the Jets. They barely squeaked it out. Barely! So, when Sunday Night Football kicked off last night, and it was barely Sunday Night Football, it should have just been a scrimmage. It should have been a half of football. They didn't even play the full four quarters. When that game kicked off, the Packers were essentially, they were softly placed on the on the putting green. They were right there by the hole. They just hit a five-foot putt, tap it in, because everything else has been set out for you. The Chiefs lost, and the Titans now have the inside shot at the one seed. Michael Gallup got hurt. Antonio Brown is done. Right? The Cowboys lost, and Tom Brady took a punch in the, in the MVP race. Just put it in from five feet away and beat Sean Mannion, and everything's good. And that's all they had to do, and they did. And Mike Zimmer and Sean Mannion made it a rather easy putt, too, just because, of course they did. Zimmer and Mannion, of course that's the way that game went. You know, so much of winning a Super Bowl is luck. Right? And I think Bill Michaels on his show has said for years, I always remember him saying, you need to be good, you need to be healthy, you need to be lucky, you need to be hot. Well, if you're alive late in the playoffs, all of these teams are hot to a degree because they've made it this far, and they're all good to a degree. What really is up for grabs towards the end, you get to the championship round or the Super Bowl, the real variables now, all the bad teams have been eliminated, all the ice-cold teams that weren't playing well are eliminated. Now it's luck and it's health. And the Packers... Haven't had the best injury luck the last couple of years. They lost David Bakhtiari. Or they were really unlucky just with the bounce of the ball and the coin flip and special teams in 2014. You need to be lucky. You need to be healthy. And the Packers really haven't been either when they've gotten close. And when they have been lucky and hot, they haven't been any good in 2016 and in 2019, at least relative to the Niners. They were good, but not that good. Winning a Super Bowl is so much luck for every team. And I know I'm a total bastard and I only highlight Tom Brady's good luck. But it happens every year, right? 2020, last year, Tom Brady, we talked about this, goes through the playoffs facing Taylor Heineke, the corpse of Drew Brees, the Packers, sands their left tackle, David Bakhtiari, and Lambeau is empty, and it's 40 degrees. Oh, by the way, the Superdome was empty, too, when they beat Brees. A lot of good luck. But every Super Bowl champion gets good luck. Let's talk about the Chiefs in 2019. Jimmy G had a Super Bowl-winning touchdown on a platter. All he's got to do, again, put it in from five feet. Emmanuel Sanders is wide open behind the defense, and he missed it. And Kansas City goes on to win. A little bit of luck. You need it. Now, they also hit a third and 20 to Tyreek Hill, which was insane. They are, they're great. They're talented. They're awesome. But they needed that luck. 2018, you go back another year. The Patriots only made the Super Bowl because D. Ford lined up off sides, and that negated a Tom Brady interception. Right? And then the Pats, on top of it, win the coin toss in overtime. Patrick Mahomes never touches the ball. And then they get to the Super Bowl, and Jared Goff only scores three points. Right? Things go right for Super Bowl winning teams. And it's not just Brady, although Brady's there a lot, so it happens a lot for him. But for the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, too. The Packers in 2010. I'm not so big a Packers homer to realize that they didn't get lucky down the stretch. They came down to the wire in the wildcard game against the Eagles and the NFC Championship game against the Bears. Now, they spanked Atlanta, and Rodgers and company played really well in the Super Bowl, but there's a lot of variance in that Eagles game. Needed a last-second interception from Tremont Williams, who's great down the stretch. And they beat Caleb Haney. And what, Terry Collins? Kerry Collins? Terry Collins? One's the Mets manager and the other's the quarterback, and I can never keep them straight. That's who they beat with the Bears. That's good luck. But then, of course, they spank Atlanta. They earned that and showed that they're good. And then they got to the Super Bowl, and Rodgers plays one of the best Super Bowls ever. Even though they lost Driver and Woodson and Sam Shields and their wide receivers had a ton of drops, they played good enough, and Rodgers played good enough in that Super Bowl that it didn't matter. So you need a little good luck, but you also need to be great. You also need to be hot. You need to be healthy, all these things. This season almost seemed like a cursed season for the Packers in that their offense is humming and Rodgers is back and Devontae Adams is a monster and Matt LaFleur is a really friggin' good coach. But their injury luck was so bad, it almost 
seemed like it wouldn't matter because they were so snake bit. Now, I know we've heard this over and over and over again. I'm going to say it again because it's bizarre and it's nuts. The Packers have lost their left tackle and then their backup left tackle. Both are all pro level linemen. Then they lost their best edge rusher, all pro level edge rusher, and their cornerback, who is the most valuable corner in football by PFF War, and he's an all pro. Left tackle, edge, cornerback. Those are like the three most valuable positions in football outside of quarterback and maybe wide receiver. Maybe. That's what they lost this year. That's what happened to the Niners last year. Now they had quarterback injuries too, but you lose your best edge rusher. You lose your best corner. You lose your tight end in their case in George Kill, and you're like, oh, what are you going to do? You're snake bit. It's not your year. This shouldn't have been the Packers' year. It certainly shouldn't have been their year to win 13 games. And I guess you help, you know, play Mike Zimmer and Sean Mannion. That'll help you get a win. This shouldn't have been their year. Green Bay has had so much bad luck throughout this season, and they've fought through it. And that's a huge testament to Matt LaFleur, who I want to talk about coming up next. Now it seems like their bad luck, and I knock on wood as I say this, is tapering off. They're getting healthier, and other teams are now being hit. Right? Chris Godwin got injured. Leonard Fournette got injured. Mike Evans was banged up, although he's back. Antonio Brown goes completely nut and runs off the field. Where did that all happen? Tampa was great. They were having fun in the sun a month ago. Everyone's healthy. Best wide receiving core. Best secondary. Best defensive line. Great running game. And then all of a sudden, everyone starts getting hurt all at once. The Packers, it was more a trickle throughout the season. They'd lose one by one. It hit Tampa like a bus three quarters of the way through the season out of nowhere. Now Dallas is getting nailed too. They lost Michael Gallup. And again, Michael Gallup isn't Devontae Adams. He's not DeAndre Hopkins. He's probably not even Mike Evans. But the strength for Dallas is their strength in numbers offensively. Zeke and Pollard, the only other duo in the NFL right now with more combined scrimmage yards than Dylan and Jones. And I think it's only by like a yard or two. It's really close. And then they have Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup and Dalton Schultz, who's been pretty good. And you know what? Cedric Wilson is a threat too. So individually, none of their pieces are better than any other piece in the league, but together that's their strength. And that took a big hit when Michael Gallup went down. Robert Woods getting hurt for the Rams. That's a big deal, right? So attrition and injuries hitting all of these other teams while the Packers suffered a lot of injuries early throughout the season, but it's tapered off. And again, I knock on wood because I don't want another one. Now they're getting healthier, and all of these guys might actually have a chance to come back, and we'll hear from Lafleur and Rodgers on that subject. I'm still skeptical. I want to see it before I really buy and believe it. But what seemed like a season of bad luck for the Packers now finally seems to be coming around, and I didn't even know if that was possible because, again, this term critical mass we mentioned. You get to a point, critical mass with injuries. You reach a point where it doesn't matter how good your offense is. It doesn't matter how good your play calling is. It just it doesn't matter. If you're too injured, you're too injured. And you're screwed. And I thought the Packers were getting close, and somehow they've won 13 games for the third straight year, something that no other team in NFL history has pulled off, and they didn't even need the 17th game to do it, which I'm glad, because then the record's not tainted. Then it was done naturally, which I love. Now, I want to talk about Matt LaFleur and that awesome accomplishment coming up next. But, but, before we do, as far as the Vikings go, I'm not going to rub it in. I'm not going to... I'm going to mock Vikings fans or their team. I'm actually going to take the high road. The, the high road in the same way that Paul Allen did in week 11. I'm going to take the high road on this Green Bay Packers coach looking at me saying, you better not talk into that microphone and give your team any credit. I'm going to take the high road on it and say, I'm very impressed with the Green Bay Packers finding a way to win eight games despite all those injuries, a Rogers toe, COVID, lying and everything. So I'm not you know, going to say to that coach what I wanted to say, like, <laughs> 
you can go ahead and put Eric Stokes and Justin Jefferson the rest of his career. And like he did in 2019 when he was with LSU and Stokes was with Georgia, he killed him. And he killed him again today, and he will kill him every single time they meet. So I'm going to end it right like that. Um, i got to say, in my 20 years of calling Vikings games, that's about the first time I've ever had a coach say something like that to me. So best of luck to you guys the rest of the way. And quite honestly, I hope you lose every single freaking game the rest of the year. Now, again, I'm going to take the high road on this Vikings broadcaster and say that I'm really impressed with the Vikings and the way in which they've been able to win seven games because that roster is bad. A lot of people would say it's a good roster that underachieved. They underachieved because their coaches can't figure it out schematically, philosophically, but their roster is bad too. They signed two nose tackles to big money this offseason and somehow managed to field the worst run defense in the NFL over the entire season. I'm actually impressed with the Vikings and their ability to beat the Lions by two points back on October 10th and then losing to the Lions the second time around because they're a balanced team in that way. Now, they did lose to Cooper Rush, but they were able to outlast Sam Darnold in overtime by two points and that will always be impressive. I got to say, Paul Allen... I, like you, will take the high road. Have a great time finding a new general manager and coach because if history has taught us anything about the Bears and the the Vikings, it's when they get rid of a general manager and head coach, they're so good at finding the next one. So enjoy the offseason. Let's talk about Matt LaFleur, who is great. Let's do that next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I think this year has been met with certain unforeseen challenges. Certainly we've had a weather our fair share of adversity in terms of the injuries that we've obtained throughout the course of the season, some big time guys that were missing, but our guys have rallied around one another and, and found a way to continue to stack wins. A lot of close wins in there. Packers coach Matt LaFleur after last night's win, another 13 win season, another first round bye, and another underwhelming but yet, like, fitting season for the Vikings. I don't mean to slander the Vikings today, but Vikings fans, you should agree with me. Like, nothing that I rip your team for this year is going to be out of pocket today. Right? Like, yes, they underachieved, and they won some really, lost some really dumb games. But I think anyone who believed that this team was going to be amazing coming into this year was, I don't know, not really looking at this roster critically and not showing the signs that we've seen from Zimmer and his staff over the last couple of years. So again, it was an underwhelming season, but finished right where the betting markets thought they would. Their season win total, their playoff predictions, that all proved out to be pretty true, just like the betting markets thought it would. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I don't want to dump on the Vikings, at least not for a while, maybe a little bit more in the second half of the show. Started the show by talking about how the Packers have some good luck. And they had a lot of bad luck this year, injury-wise. Week after week, just another guy would go down, and then this guy would go down, and this guy would get hurt. And then Rodgers has COVID, and it becomes a big thing, and it just felt like a lot of bad luck. A really good season felt like it might just get submarine because of too many injuries or too much drama or whatever, and they've just stayed afloat. They just keep winning. And now some of those injuries and, and those bad luck things, they're hitting other teams. Tampa's now getting injured, and Antonio Brown's running off the field, and Dallas suffered a big injury and a loss to the Cardinals, but the bigger loss is they lost Michael Gallup yesterday, their third-best wide receiver. A big part of their depth at that position and a big part of why their offense is really potent, at least when Dak's playing better than he did yesterday. I'm still trying to figure him out. Packers are getting healthier, but now every other team is starting to get by injuries or whatever happened to Antonio Brown yesterday. So it seems like maybe things might be reversing, and you hear when I say good luck about the Packers and finally some good luck, you might think, well, the refs are always like, I'm going to piss off. I get so sick. I see Vikings fans on Twitter last night posting screenshots of Dennis Kelly 
with a hold around DJ Wan. It was like, oh, here's a hold they didn't call. Yeah, well, they're up by 27 points. Do you like? Do you really? Do you really want to do this? And again, I'm not trying to go after Vikings fans today, except for the weird ones that post stuff like that on Twitter, and it comes up on my feed. Like, I am gonna rip the Vikings a little bit today because they deserve it. And Vikings fans, shouldn't you feel the same way? Like, don't, don't aren't you upset when you watch this team? And you listen to Mike Zimmer say the exact same thing after every game. Like, it's just, oh, it's got to be exhausting. And I feel for you, which is why I'm a little frustrated. Normally, I go out of my way to kind of be nice to all our rival teams because we've got this fun little group that includes all sorts of fans. We get Bears fans and Vikings fans that call, but I don't know. You should be mad at your team today. And if you're defending them, I guess I, just, I, guess I just don't really know why. I want to talk about Matt LaFleur and the really, really crazy accomplishments that he's racked up over the last three years because some of these accomplishments truly are unprecedented. But first, I want to go to the phone. 608-796-2558. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? This is Fred. Fred, welcome. What's going on, Fred? Uh, not too much. Um, I have a question for you. How, how do you think Green Bay did last night? Because I felt I was a little disappointed in the game that they played. Um, okay, with, uh, well, what's what specifically? With, well, with a backup quarterback mm-hmm. and Minnesota going three and out five times, mm-hmm. scoring the amount of points that they scored I kind of felt was a letdown. I thought that game should have been out of control, out of reach after the first quarter of that game. Yeah, I early yeah. on I was with you. Now, I never thought the Vikings were going to come back because especially with Mannion and the game that Zimmer was trying to call and the ball never went to Jefferson. I mean, it's fluky in the first quarter, right? They got into the red zone, and they couldn't punch it in. And sometimes that's luck, and sometimes that's bad execution. And then the other time, they settled for a field goal, and Josiah DeGuara had a touchdown right off his hands, right? Like, sometimes that happens. I, I don't know. I'm not going to gnash teeth over that. No, I just I, – it, it's a little alarming that Green Bay can't put away bad teams. I mean, they, I don't know. they just... won by 28, though. Like, that, that's not putting them away to you? Putting them away would have been up 21 in the first quarter and everybody could have went to bed and called it a night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if two plays go differently, like I said, if DeGuara catches that touchdown and they hit Adams in the end zone instead of kicking a field goal, I mean, they, like, they're like they close to 50 last night. So I hear you. I just think yeah. it very easily could have been a 21-point game in the first quarter. The Vikings got lucky to be in it as long as they were. I, I agree with you there. And Matt LaFleur, he... I had some speculations when they first hired him, but that guy, he is, he's good. Yeah. There's no getting around it. Yeah. You, you can't, I don't care how bad your division is, but when you spank every division opponent like he does repeatedly, mm-hmm. you, you got to tip your hat to the guy and say, hey, you're good. I agree. I agree, Fred. And that's what I want to talk about next. Before I let you go, where are you calling from? Because I want to I write this down, Fred. I, I appreciate you calling. Uh, I'm Fred from Lacrosse, and I work for FedEx. So you can call me Fred from FedEx. Fred from FedEx. You know, my dad worked from, uh, for FedEx for a long time in Eau Claire. I, I'm very partial to the FedEx family. It's just a great company. Nice. Yeah. Thanks for the nice. call, Fred. Thank you. Yeah. Have a good one. Don't call when you're delivering packages, though. That's that's a no-no. That's that's no good. You don't want to be the FedEx delivery driver that gets caught on uh, <laughs> caught making a phone call or texting while you're driving around. Yeah, Fred. I, I hear where you're coming from, but again. Two plays go differently in the first quarter. If Josiah DeGuara catches that touchdown and Devontae Adams comes down with that ball, or even let's just say one play goes differently. Let's say Josiah DeGuara catches that ball that was right in his hands and that's it. Well, I mean, they're up then what? 24 to three at half instead of, or the, no, they would be up 27 to three at half. Like to me, that's, that's putting them away. There are slow starters in the first quarter and a couple of things last night, like that drop in the end zone, 
sometimes that happens, and that's why games are four quarters long instead of one quarter. I hear where you're coming from, Fred. This is not the game I'm going to nitpick not being able to put an opponent away. Maybe the last two weeks, not this week in the cold at home against that bad Vikings team. Again, I don't really know how much there is to take away from this game specifically other than the Vikings suck and they deserve to be criticized by their own fans and their own media. I saw K-Fans just mobilizing on Twitter last night to defend this team. And I'm like, why? 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 They suck. And Zimmer is kind of being a jerk on his way out in his presser. Like, that's okay to say. I don't want to talk about Zimmer. I want to talk about Lafleur, Because last night was significant, not just for clinching the number one seed, but they've now won 13 games in three straight seasons. And they didn't need the extra game, the 17th game, to do it, which makes me happy because that record is a lot more impressive in my eyes, knowing that they did it without that extra game that only became a thing in, in this season in 2021. It's the first time it's ever been done. Dungy and Manning never did it. Belichick and Brady never did it. No, nobody did it. The Cowboys dynasty in the 90s, the Niners never did it. It's never been done. And Lafleur is 39-9 and nine in his first three seasons, which is one game better than George Seifert through three years. He was 38-10. and 10. Matt Lafleur has coached three full seasons without a back-to-back loss, which is insane. That's nuts. The Bucs and coach Bud did it for years without a back-to-back loss, but the NBA is a little, that's a little different. Football, there's so much variance, and it's any given Sunday. They say that about the league, right? And to go three full seasons with no back-to-back losses. And three very different seasons, right? 2019 was his first year. He gets to Green Bay and his mission is, hey, we're going to reestablish this thing with Rodgers. We're going to rein him in, right? Mold him into a new scheme. Get him to buy into this new staff and, and, and charter and begin the next stage of his career. That's a tough task. And I think even tougher looking back retroactively now with some of the things we've seen from Rodgers. I bet that year was even more challenging than we knew and thought. Now 2020... They got the foundation built. Now you take the next step. And they did. And Rodgers won an MVP. And they probably should have made a Super Bowl. And they didn't. And then 2021, you got to hold it all together. Rodgers wants out. And and we're holding the roster salary cap wise together at the seams. And it might be the last dance. And you have COVID drama. You have offseason drama that leaks into the season. And Devontae Adams contract and all this crap. And again, maintaining all the way through. Right? The ship just keeps moving forward. And he dealt with injuries. And everything else throughout the year, too. Aaron Rodgers was 24-23-1 in his 48 starts previous to Matt LaFleur. And that was with Mike McCarthy. Ah, shout out to Joe Philbin. He gets credit for two of those wins. 24-23-1. Two of those wins were Joe Joe Philbin. Matt LaFleur succeeded in three different seasons, all three with very unique challenges and circumstances. And we talked about those challenges last week. We talked about last week what Matt LaFleur is great at. He came in day one. Looked at his quarterback, looked at his roster, and decided, okay, Patrick Mahomes is great. Russell Wilson is great. Tom Brady is great. There's lots of great quarterbacks in the league. My guy, Aaron Rodgers, his one thing is not turning the ball over. That's what we're going to build around. That's how we're going to design this offense. That's how philosophically in the back of my mind, I want the defense to complement. I want the defense to to complement an offense that never turns the ball over. And that dog has hunted all three seasons. He built an offense that's based solely around not turning the ball over. And even when the defense isn't great, you can still win. And even when there's injuries, you can still win. And even when there's COVID issues, you can still win. And when there's 2019 and everyone's trying to learn the offense, you can win. In 2020, when it's humming, you can win. In 2021, when you're holding it together, you can still win. It works. That dog hunts because Rodgers doesn't turn the ball over. That's the one given through three years. And Matt LaFleur designed everything to be contingent on that. And since week one, Aaron Rodgers only has two picks to, like, what, 40 touchdowns? Now he doesn't have 40. I think he has, like, 30, what does he have? 
35, 36. I don't know. I'll look over the break. That's how Matt LaFleur built this offense. And it's allowed him to succeed in all these different environments and overcome all these different challenges because the one constant through it all, as long as Aaron Rodgers is playing, is that this offense doesn't turn the ball over. And that's a pretty strong foundation from which to build and grow an offense. And we've seen it succeed and blossom, really, the last three seasons. Let's take a break. we got to talk about Week 18. They're playing the Lions. Do they play? Do they sit? How do we handle this? This is a topic that's meant for radio. Let's get into that coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you had a great weekend. The Packers, as we've been talking about, are the one seed. They are again going to have a first round bye for the third straight year. And right before that last break, we just talked a little bit about how Matt LaFleur has been brilliant. And now in three different seasons, his won 13 games. It's the first time that's ever been done. Three straight seasons. Through three seasons, he's now better than George Seifert at 39-9. and Seifert was 38-10. and And I think what blows me away is in all three of these seasons, he's faced different challenges and different circumstances, right? He comes in in 2019. His job is to basically make friends with Aaron Rodgers, who hated the last coach, gain the trust of Rodgers, Get Rodgers to buy into the offense. Oh, yeah, also the offense has to be good. And, yeah, I know you're doing this for the first time, so you got to figure this out on the fly, too. And they win 13 games. They go to the NFC title game. Probably outperform their roster. Certainly outperform their roster. That team wasn't as good as 13 wins, but he got them there anyways. Then the next year, well, now you have Aaron Rodgers' trust. Now you got this all figured out. By the way, we're going to draft a quarterback. Uh, so Rodgers is pissed, but you deal with that uh, and also continue to get better. And he does. The offense gets better. Rodgers wins an MVP. They probably should go to a Super Bowl. And then this season, Rodgers is pissed. He doesn't want to come back. He skips training camp. you got to deal with this mess of Jordan Love. No one's showing up to OTAs. Now, everything comes together, but it's under the guise of one last dance. And then week one is a disaster. All right, go ahead. Let's see how you do. And even giving away the first game of the season, they still clinch the number one seed and a first round bye with only one week left in the season, right? They don't even need the final week. Which, yeah, I know the Cowboys helped him out, but this team is just taking care of business under Matt LaFleur. Now, there's still some skeptics about LaFleur. I think there are very few. Say, well, he has Aaron Rodgers. And David Minone is texting in. Dave, I'm one of the few people involved in this show that likes you a lot, despite you always bad-mouthing me and attacking me. I like you, Dave. You're charming. You're genuine. Some of your takes are a little out there. But I can tell you've watched sports a long time and you actually believe what you say, even when I know that you're wrong. You're texting about Malafleur and you're like the one person on the show that doesn't like Malafleur. If you call in and rant about how Matt LaFleur sucks and how he would have got fired without Rodgers, like, I guess I'll let you talk, but I'm probably just going to pot you down and move on when you're done. Because it's a bad take. The idea that, well, if he had a bad quarterback, he would have been fired. Maybe. Maybe. But Nick Saban got fired when he had a bad quarterback. And Bill Belichick was a bad coach until he got the quarterback right. And Matt LaFleur's job wasn't to come in here and coach a team that was bad. Dan Campbell was brought into Detroit to build a culture, to get guys fired up to play football, to get them excited to be in Detroit, even if Detroit stinks and the roster stinks, and even if they're not going to win. And Dan Campbell has knocked it out of the park. He's got a Monroe St. Brown getting the ball every which way. Meanwhile, Zimmer can't get the ball to Justin Jefferson. Like, he doesn't have a hope or a prayer. Dan Campbell is finding a million ways to get his ball, or his football, I should say, the quarterback, the ball, to Amon Ross St. Brown. 
They're without Hawkinson. They're without Cephas. They've been without Swift. And yet they cover. Every week they cover spreads. And they've been able to get a couple of teams. They beat the Cardinals. And they beat the Vikings. Dan Campbell took that job. That's very different than the job Matt LaFleur took. Matt LaFleur's job was to come in, gain the trust of the quarterback, build something together. It's very collaborative. Dan Campbell's building this from the ground up. Matt LaFleur came in. It's like, hey, I have this 25-year-old car. It's a collector. Can you rework it and get it running? But we want to keep the original parts. We don't want to strip it down to the studs, right? Like, very different job. The job description is different for different coaches who were fired. So to say that Matt LaFleur never would have made it if he had a bad quarterback, maybe. But maybe if the Packers didn't have Matt Le- or have Aaron Rodgers, maybe they would have hired someone else, right? Like, maybe if the Lions were amazing and their quarterback was a Hall of Famer, which he's not, Maybe they wouldn't have hired Dan Campbell, right? We need to consider that. The job description from job to job is very different based on the quarterback, based on the trajectory of the roster, and I think that's something you got to realize too. Maybe Matt LaFleur would stink if he didn't have a good coach or a good quarterback. Excuse me, I'm misspeaking a lot today. Maybe he would stink if he had a bad quarterback. But some coaches, like Phil Jackson, if you gave Phil Jackson a bad NBA roster, who knows how good they would have been. But Phil Jackson for years showed that if you give me a bunch of superstars who can do it, I'm the guy to get the mojo right, to get everyone feeling good, right, to kind of keep the play group in line, keep everyone engaged, keep them challenged. That was Phil Jackson. If you give Phil Jackson the Bobcats in 2014, they probably would still suck. Phil Jackson's probably not the guy for that job. Maybe Matt LaFleur isn't the guy to take a startup like the Lions or the Texans, like Dan Campbell has shown that he is. But to come in and mesh with Aaron Rodgers and to keep this thing going and not really lose any ground in the process... That's what he was hired to do. He's done a really good job. So I don't really want to listen to the buddies, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, well, Aaron Rodgers was the 500 quarterback when he got there in his last, what, 50 starts or whatever. 608-796-2558. Someone please text to drown out Dave in Venona. You can also tweet me. Follow me at Wisco Grant. This is the million-dollar debate now, and this is made for sports radio. We can kill a lot of time with this week, right? Do they rest guys in week 17? What do they do next week? How do they handle next week? Because it's a meaningless game. And we haven't had experience with this the last two years because in 2019, they won and they clinched the two seed and the first round bye because there was two buys at the time by getting that last second field goal in Detroit. It came down to the wire. They needed that week 17 game. And then at night, remember when we watched San Fran and Seattle on Sunday Night Football and it was one of the best games ever and it was, the whole nation was watching and it was good to decide seeding. And I think the Seahawks came up short by a yard. Oh, it was great. 2020, last year, they won in Soldier Field in the final week of the season to clinch the one seed. I don't remember a single thing about that game. I had to look it up today. I, I don't remember a single thing about that. It was the most forgettable football game ever. But in 2019, in 2020, they needed week 17. Now with the expanded schedule, the Packers have locked it up a week early. They don't need week 18. They don't need to win in Detroit next week. They could sit everyone and lose 60 to nothing if they wanted, and it wouldn't matter. But the question is, should they? Classic debate. Rest versus rust. To rest or to not rest. Like, we can kill a lot of time with this this week, right? I'm, I'm really hoping to get some run out of this, folks. Because that game gave us nothing to talk about other than the Vikings suck. And Matt LaFleur's a good coach. And Aaron Rodgers might win the MVP. There's no turning point where the defense ran this play instead of... No, 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 no. This is the meat and potatoes of this week, right? How to handle a meaningless game going into a first-round bye where you'd be going three, four weeks without playing meaningful football. Because really, last night's game wasn't meaningful football. They were going to win that game. I mean, come on, come on. I know that that game counted and they needed to win it to clinch the seeding, but that wasn't meaningful football. So you're talking about a game against 
the Vikings that essentially meant nothing. For the sake of this conversation, you know what I mean. They didn't need to be locked in to beat a contender last night. They didn't even need to beat Kirk Cousins. Then week 18, they go to Detroit, which they should be able to win, but now it, it doesn't even matter. And then you have a bye, and then you have another week, so you'd be going a month without really playing locked in, you know, win or go home football. That's a concern. So, should Rodgers play? Should Adams play? How, how, how do we go about this game this weekend? This is going to be a big portion, I think, of our discussion this week and what we hear from coaches and players. And we'll probably bring up the Brewers and how they didn't play meaningful baseball for a week and a half at the end of their season. And they looked lethargic. Or we can bring up 2011, right, when they had the first round bye and then they got smacked around by the Giants. The Ravens in 2019. There are lots of examples of a team that comes off of a first round bye, hasn't played meaningful football in a couple of weeks, and it bites them. Is it because they didn't play meaningful football? Is it because they just weren't that good? I, I don't know. These are things that we'll discuss throughout the week. Right now, I'm asking you, should they play all their guys next week? If so, for how long? Or should they rest everybody? I'm going to tell you how I feel. And then it looks like we're getting some texts. And if we get any tweets or calls, then I'll invite you into this too. This is how I feel. Last night, in the third quarter, in the third quarter, I don't know at what point this game was out of reach, but at some point in the third quarter, I wrote down in my notes, Rodgers has to play next week. He has to play next week. And this is before we heard from Rodgers or Adams or LaFleur in the postgame pressers because at the very end of the, the pressers last night, Rodgers was like, I think I should play a little bit. Adams wants to play a little bit. LaFleur kind of echoed that, and we'll hear from them in a minute. Before any of that happened, I'm watching the game, and I said, they need to play. They need to play. Not the full game, but go through the week of prep, go through the install, go through practice, go through the routine, wake up on game day, go through your routine, you know, push whatever buttons you normally push, eat whatever you normally eat, sleep in whatever bed you would normally sleep in, get to the stadium, travel with the team, put your helmet on, go through the paces, right? You don't need to be scrambling out of the pocket. You don't need to be taking hits. None of that. Just be present, right? Be engaged. Go through the motions, put on the cleats, lace them up, call some plays. Just go through the motions of playing in an NFL game. And I know real life is not professional sports, so I don't normally like to make comparisons like this. But think of when you miss a week of work. Think of when you take a vacation or you work remotely for whatever reason. When you come back into the office, it feels like pulling teeth. When you sit down at your desk for the first time in a while and you boot up the computer for the first time in a while, it's like, okay, let me get all my tabs open. Let me set everything up like I normally set everything up. It takes a while to get back into the groove. Play a half. Play a quarter. Play a series. I don't care. But go through this week like it's a normal week. Travel like it's a normal traveling period to Detroit. Get there. Put your stuff on. Go out on the field. Hear the crowd. Feel the energy. Just trick your body into thinking things are normal, even if that game is 100% meaningless. Here's Matt LaFleur after the game last night when first asked, Will guys play? We'll have conversations tomorrow, certainly with, with our staff. We'll definitely have talks with our players, and we'll make the best decision for us. But if you ask me right now, I'd say my gut is that uh, these guys are going to play at least a little bit next week. His gut. His gut. I think his gut is correct. Obviously, he wants to talk to all these guys. Like he said, I want to sit down and hear from Aaron, hear from Adams, because there's no way they talked about this this week. A football coach would never allow that on Thursday. Well, if we beat Minnesota, do you let us rest next? A football coach would smack someone for bringing that up, right? Because I'm sure right down to the kickoff, Matt LaFleur's like, that's a good Vikings team, physical, they run the ball, they could get us, even though he doesn't believe that. So they're having these conversations for the first time. Matt LaFleur obviously wants to talk to his guys. I think his gut is correct. Even if they just play a little. 
That's all they need. Jason on Tainer Lake, lower Tainer Lake, he specifies, which I absolutely love. Says starters have to play at least a half. I've seen too many slow starts from this team in years past. When we've rested them one week, let alone two weeks with no game reps. Yeah, I was watching with a friend last night, and I told this friend, I was like, they need to play next week. <laughs> and he said, no, they don't. Rodgers went all offseason without practicing. He'll be fine. And I said, oh, yeah, how did week one go? How did that? <laughs> yeah, my friend went, oh, yeah, okay, that's a good point. His gut says, play just a little bit. Just play a little. Play a quarter, play a half, that's fine. Run some plays, go through the motions. It doesn't need to be a full game. Have you ever come into work on a Saturday? Growing up, I, my dad would always do work on a Saturday at home, or he'd go into the office for a couple of hours. And be like, Dad, why are you going to work? He's like, well, I can get things done on a Saturday. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. What do you mean get things done? What do you do all week at work, Dad? What do you mean get work done on Saturday? Okay, well, now I get it. Because if I come in on Saturday and no one's in this building, if I work for two hours, I get more done in that two hours than sometimes I do in six in a normal workday because there's people going around. You need to help out with things, this, that. You get distracted. Oh, if I work two hours on a Saturday, oh, my God. I mean, the same thing. If you play him a quarter, a half on Sunday in Detroit, that's enough. That will serve the purpose. That will accomplish what needs to be accomplished. Just go through the routine, punch the time card, metaphorically, football speaking. Don't need to play a full game to get the benefit. And the risk is negligible. Just throw the ball away, take an intentional grounding, just whatever. Avoid hits. It's not that hard. And Aaron Rodgers said after the game last night, my foot feels the best it's felt. Didn't get a painkiller shot. My toe feels better. It's going to be back to 100%, which is great. Play a little bit next week. Matt LaFleur, before we take a break, says, I'm going to lean on the bets to help decide. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime you have players of that caliber, you certainly want to lean on those guys. they got a great pulse of the locker room. There are leaders in that locker room. So we'll definitely have that conversation with them. You kind of get away everything and then just make the best decision possible for your football team. This is something that Chris Collinsworth brought up last night when talking to players about Matt LaFleur and really getting a read on his style of coaching, right? Talking about what he's good at, what really makes him a great coach where he can win 13 games in a row, three straight years. He delegates, right? He delegates to his assistants, delegates to veterans, and he communicates and listens to his players. Doesn't mean that he's not honest. Players said, oh, he's brutally honest, good or bad but it's always an open line of communication and he always asks for our input, right? And this is what good parents should do too. You can ask for input. I'm probably not going to listen to it, right? But I'll go ahead. I'm open to listening. I think there's a fine line between players coach and a coach that players can walk all over. And the coaches that find that line where they make players feel really involved and heard and communicate well, while also being a coach that demands something of players, that's a tough line to walk, and it seems like Matt LaFleur is walking it. No doubt he'll talk to Rodgers and Adams and Mercedes Lewis and all these guys about whether or not they want to play or sit out and why this upcoming weekend. Let's talk about this for a couple more minutes. Coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers get the win, 37-10 over the Vikings here at Lambeau Field. Temperatures around 10 above. Matt LaFleur on how his team secured the number one seed in the NFC again this year. Certainly we've had to weather our fair share of adversity in terms of the injuries that we've obtained throughout the course of the season. Some big-time guys that were missing, but... 
our guys have rallied around one another and, and found a way to continue to stack wins. The Packers had to settle for field goals early in the first half. Wide receiver Devontae Adams. Well, I mean, you can nitpick all day and, and do stuff like that. And um, I would love if we go out and score 21 points a quarter, but it's, it's the NFL. I mean, it's, it's not always that easy going up and I mean, we put up almost 40 today in, in freezing temperatures, so it was, it was a really cold day out there. At 7-9, the Vikings eliminated from any playoff hopes after the loss. Head coach Mike Zimmer. Disappointing tonight. I didn't feel like we gave ourselves a chance to win. First half uh, kind of got away from us, a time of possession. Um, we didn't move the ball at all, really, at all. Um, got away from the running game way too soon. And then uh, second half, we didn't, we didn't play well enough defensively. So give them credit. They're a good team and uh, they got after us tonight. The Packers improved to 13-3 and and head to Detroit next Sunday to face the Lions. Although they've locked up home field advantage, Aaron Rodgers says he still wants to play. I'm going to play next week, and uh, I expect Devontae to play and our guys to play. So we're looking forward to finish off the season on a high note and, and then uh, getting the bye. Best Packers coverage. Wisco Sports Show. That's Mike Clemens. We'll hear from him tomorrow at 5.30. And Mike, about, let's see, half hour ago, sent me some audio from today's press conference. So what I played you is from yesterday. Matt LaFleur saying, ah, I want to talk to our guys. Going to speak with the veterans, make decisions as the week goes along. So that was yesterday, right after the game. And like I said, that's probably not something that Matt LaFleur thought about and talked about with players last week. That's a very anti-football guy thing to do. Right? There's no way Matt LaFleur was going around practice last week. Guys are out in the cold and, and you know walking up to Aaron Jones, giving him the elbow and saying, so, uh, Aaron, when we win 38-10 to 10 over the Vikes this weekend, because we're going to, I mean, Kirk's not even playing. What a joke. Zimmer, is, Zimmer sucks, you know. Uh, do you want to play in Week 17? Because that game probably won't mean anything. Cowboys will probably lose to the Cardinals. So do you want to play? No way they were looking ahead like that. You know what I mean? So this is something that now Matt LaFleur is starting to make a decision about, now starting to talk to his players about, So we have a couple of questions and answers today, right? Is it going to be a decision by committee? Might some players play and others not? How much are you going to listen to players specifically and how much is your call? So reporters prying a little bit more today in the presser about the status for players this upcoming weekend. We'll hear more about that. Let's bury the Vikings a little bit. Sorry, Vikings fans, but you should agree with me. Your team sucks and they deserve to be crushed. So we'll talk about that coming up next and the running game. I want to talk about that, too. An hour of the Wisco Sports Show coming up after Zach Heilprin's update. Just your thoughts on being eliminated from the playoffs second year in a row? And, and I don't know. What What are your thoughts? Well, I thought it was kind of a disappointing season. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah, pretty good. Appreciate your thoughts. The focus, the energy, the effort. Certainly it feels good to be the number one seed, but we also know that it does not guarantee anything. I thought it was our most complete game in all three phases, and that's what we need moving forward. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Before we get back into Packers Vikings really quick, I, I just got to recommend an album because I was listening to some music this morning. I got a late start in the day and I was just kind of working and I had some albums on. An album that I've listened to before but forgot how awesome it is, Robert Cray Band, 1986, Strong Persuader, excellent, 
Excellent. Not a bad song on it. It's excellent start to finish. No smoking gun. Right next door. But the whole album's awesome. I was listening to a lot of Robert Cray today, which I haven't done in a while. So that's my album recommendation for the day. I think we had one a couple of weeks ago that my sister sent me that I was really into. But every once in a while, if I stumble across something, I'll, I'll pass it along. Robert Cray Band. The kids these days, they wouldn't know about Robert Cray. It's kind of a forgotten artist of the 80s. Really good guitar player. Unique guitar player. But yeah, strong persuader. Cover to cover. No skips. That's what I was listening to this morning. I would have listened to Packers Vikings post game from last night and shows this morning, but the game sucked. Like, what is there to say? That was embarrassing for the Vikings and Zimmer. It's the second year in a row something's happened like that. And it's the third year in a row that the Packers have won 13 games and got a first round bye. What's new? Nothing. Okay. So I'll start this hour with an album recommendation because this game sucked. We have plenty of time to cover everything that this game gave us, which is uh, not a whole lot. We're already looking forward to next week, week 18, against the Lions and beyond the playoffs. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you had a great New Year's weekend. I didn't do much for New Year's. I heard on Saturday morning, because New Year's Eve was Friday, I heard on Saturday morning from a friend or two that downtown Lacrosse, at least in some spots, was more packed than it was during Oktoberfest. And I heard that and I laughed. I said, you could not drag me down there if that's how busy it was. I went to bed at midnight after watching a movie. I got a great night's sleep and woke up on Saturday ready to tackle the day and watch college football and the Rose Bowl. And there wasn't an ounce of hungover in my head. It was excellent. So I hope you had a good New Year's as well. I went ice fishing yesterday morning just to get out in the elements and get a sense of the cold. If the Packers are playing outside at night in single-digit weather against the Vikings, well, then I'm going to go out and experience it because that's how, as a Packers owner, I, I feel like I should I should do that. I can't sit up in my cushy owner's box. I got to go out and feel the weather too. So I did that yesterday morning. Again, I hope you had a good weekend. 608-796-2558. Give me a call. Send me a text. You can find me on Twitter. Follow and tweet me at Wisco Grant. Please follow me. I had a tweet today about the Vikings, and it's getting a lot of love, but nobody's following me. If you like the content, then follow me, because there's more. So I've been a little up in arms today. Somebody from KFan was being annoying, and I've been fighting with people on KFan. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Let's talk about the stakes of this game, because naturally, the Packers won by 37 points, or they won 37-10. And normally on Mondays, we break down, this was the turning point of the game. And this was the possession that really did the trick. You know, you know, all those things. And I think I said back at four o'clock, right? I'd break down this game, but there's really no way to break it down. Like, how do you break down a hammer pounding a nail into a wall? Like, that's essentially what this was. There's, a, there's nothing to talk about. They won by 17 points, 27 points. Excuse me. I don't know why I can't do math or numbers. They won by 27, right? That wasn't a game. That was a giant televised prank on the state of Minnesota, Mike Zimmer and the Vikings franchise. That's what it was. The stakes really quickly, locking up the number one seed, the first round by for the third straight year, winning the 13th game again for the 13th straight year without needing week 18. That's the first time that's ever been done in NFL history by any team or any coach, 13 wins in three straight years. And a big day outside of the Packers realm, things outside their control. The Cowboys lost, which helped them clinch, but also Michael Gallup got hurt. And the Bucs almost lost. And Brady almost lost, which helps Rodgers' MVP case. And also, Antonio Brown went completely off the handle. He is gone, right? And in the AFC, if we can get cocky and peek over and think about a potential Super Bowl matchup down the line, the Chiefs lost control of the one seed by losing in Cincinnati. So now it's the Titans to lose. I like the Titans, but that ain't a one seed. That's lame. So everything went great for the Packers yesterday. 
Really, last night was just a five-foot putt that they had to hit. The rest of the day set them up about five feet from the hole on the putting green. They tapped it in. Boom. It was basically a perfect day for the Packers yesterday as we look towards the playoffs and seeding and the health and the status of all of their biggest rivals like the Cowboys and the Bucks. Mike is in downtown Madison. Mike, Happy New Year. Welcome. How how are you? How was your 2022 so far? Yellow? Wrong guy. Oh, my God. I got cocky. David, it's you. David, I'm sorry, but all the same. How's your New Year? I'm sorry, David. Listen, <laughs> happy New Year to my favorite sports talk show host. Thank you. I'm sorry I called you Mike. Not a problem. Uh, um, so just two positives out of the game mm-hmm. and two things that made the game worthwhile for Packer fans. Number one was we had a guy return a punt. We did. We did. We did. Wasn't that great? I solved the problem. And he doesn't have to be fabulous, wonderful. You just got to make the first man miss and gain anywhere between 5 and 15 yards. I'll be the happiest guy in Madison. Just fall forward. number two. That's all you need to do. Just fall forward. I agree. Number two, we have a fifth string tight end who might answer some of our problems. Are you, are you talking Tyler Davis or uh, uh, Daphne? Which yeah, one? Tyler Davis. Yeah, Tyler right? Davis. I thought he looked pretty impressive. I don't know if he can block worth beans. Yeah. But if he's got enough speed and wiggle to get open, he could be an important little piece. And it was a shame that Daguerre yeah. dropped the touchdown pass, but... Uh, you know, I like this. I like this guy, and just these little things. Of course, getting back our cornerback, our starting cornerback, mm-hmm. best cornerback in the NFL. Getting back the best left tackle in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Those would be wonderful little presents for the new year. But I, I mean, I yes, of course, what you said about the game is true because you do speak the truth. We know that. <laughs> we know that, but. Again, two little nice nuggets were the tight end and the punt return. Well done. You found two positives to bring up, two specifics. You brought things up that I didn't even think to mention. And Tyler Davis, yeah, has been a nice little bright spot. And David Moore, who's with the Seahawks? That David Moore, not bad returning. You don't have to be great. That's what's nice about low standards is it's it's very easy to impress us. David, Happy New Year. Thank you for the positives from the game. And I'm sorry I called you by the wrong name. I won't do it again. Not a problem. You have a wonderful evening. You as well. That's David in Madison. Happy 2022, David. Again, Mike in Madison is great. It's not like I was disparaging you calling you Mike, but I'm sorry. That's awfully personal to call you by the wrong name. I need to be better. Thank you, David. Yeah, Tyler Davis looks good. He doesn't have to do a whole lot. That's the thing. The standards for personnel on this team are really low. Like Robert Tunyon is not Kyle Pitts. He's not George Kittle. He's not Kelsey where he's bigger, stronger, faster than anyone. He's just... He's kind of foolproof. He doesn't drop balls. He's always in the right place at the right time. That's not a very high bar to clear. (laughs) We're not looking for a unicorn that you can only get with a top 10 pick in the draft. We just need guys to stand in and catch the ball and be where they're supposed to be. And DeGuara, with the exception of that drop, has been doing that. He'd been pretty good. Um, But Tyler Davis can chip in as well. And David Moore, again, just shows how low the bar is for punts and kick returns because he gets 12 yards and we're all at home applauding. He's got us off our feet on the couch. Out of our seat and clapping. God, this, these special teams, they have uh, they have damaged us. Yeah, again, 
everything went well for the Packers yesterday. 13 straight wins for the third straight year. That's never been done before. The one seed, another first-round bye. The Bucks and the Cowboys both took a hit with injuries and whatever that was with Antonio Brown. The Chiefs lost control of the one seed. And the MVP now almost assuredly looks like it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. So really, a great day for the Packers yesterday. And the easiest part of that equation was just beating Sean Mannion and the Vikings. Dave is in Monona. Dave, I love you. I love your takes. Please don't make this a Matt LaFleur slander thing because it's 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 nonsense. It's just ridiculous. Why? Why do you? I'm, I'm, I speak the truth. Everything I tell you is a fact. fact. Okay. Okay. Do they, play, do they play well after buys? They stink. Whose fault is that? Coaching. They play. They didn't play well before New Orleans. Fact. Coaching. Now they got another buy. Coaching. I go special teams. Coaching. He hasn't. He hasn't changed it in three years. Damn. Coaching. Play back to back playoff games. That's coaching. I mean, I mean, I don't understand why everybody glorifies this man. Everything I said is factual. And as far as he knew, he wasn't brought into you know to, to coach a backfield court. Well, what coach is? I mean, I won't go into that part because you know, we don't know. But okay, I mean, everything he's done, Grant, he's made more mistakes. What has this guy done that Aaron Rodgers hasn't made up for? <sighs> Tell me. I mean, but you can't. I, I don't. Do I don't it. know what your. I don't know what your. I don't know what your question means. Like they're bad off of buys. Can I give me one sec to talk about the buys? Their first two years, yeah. they played the Niners, who were unreal good. That's. I mean, they got beat by a really good team. If they played the Lions off the buy, then they we'd probably think about this differently. And then that's last a non sequitur. No, no, that's a non sequitur. It's a non sequitur. Why? You can't use that. You, that that's that's a BS. You can, no, they played off a of buy. They were they were they were NFC championships. Green Bay's the best team. I mean, what what is it? What is it? This guy's done to prepare his team to win a big game. You know what's going to happen? Okay, it's, it's, it's two years in a row. He doesn't know what he's doing the day of a game. Uh, Just look at two weeks ago. Well, what did he do? He's using his challenges. Challenges. Those are all mistakes he's going to make. I, I, I don't get a guy. You guys just slobber over a guy who's one man is made up for all of his mistakes. Now, uh, you know, what would he be if Rodgers wasn't there? He would have been fired in two years. Come on, Grant. Stop Maybe. Slobbered over him. We don't. We don't know. But again, Dave, he wasn't hired to come in and coach a bad quarterback like Dan Campbell was. He was That's hired specifically because right. they yes. they thought he would he work with Rodgers. They saw him and he's like, "This you, is the guy that can connect with our weird quarterback." And he's, he gets weirder every my year. Point. Yes, go ahead. He just proved. My, he, he just proved. He was brought into. He was brought into to, to, to appease the yes man. Rodgers uh, runs the team. You know, come on, come on, Greg. Just one time. I mean, I know, I I know it's hard for you, man. You're a sports guy, <laughs> and, you, and you slobber all over, you slobber all over Rogers, and you know, and Ebo and Nelson. I mean, but we'll, we'll leave you with this. Okay. I hope to God he doesn't make another mistake. I'm a diehard Packer fan. Let's hope he doesn't make another mistake. Special teams is going to kill us in the playoffs. You know that, and I know that. And everybody's, oh, I thought we didn't make a change. Oh, he's going to call a timeout. Or he's going to make a decision in the fourth quarter, and it's going to happen again. I'm afraid. God, I hope it doesn't happen. Me too. And where are you going to be, my friend? Me too. Me too. I, no, and Dave, and I appreciate the call. Like, some of the things I, I hear what you're saying. The challenges, like yesterday's challenge. Okay, so he used one to save his team 15 yards or whatever it was. Who cares? They're playing Sean Mannion. Like, who the who the hell cares? We're going to nitpick this game of all games. Oh, you use that challenge when you shouldn't. Who, who cares? And also, with the timeouts. Everybody complains that they use timeouts early and often. Well, when you're leading in games, 
And when you're dominating time of possession, you want to keep leading. You want to keep dominating time of possession. I think the Packers and the way they run offense, to talk about timeouts, because they brought it up, I think it's fair. Sometimes we get frustrated when they use timeouts. Well, the Packers are always leading, and they're always dominating the time of possession battle. So they are the team that's in control. They're the team that's controlling the game. So when they're driving and when they're holding the ball and when they're trying to score, I'm okay with them using timeouts instead of them keeping them in their back pocket with the idea, well, if this game falls apart and we need a last-minute drive at the end of the game, then we have timeout. Well, if you take care of business, you control the clock and you keep scoring and you can use timeouts to do that, then you don't need timeouts in the last two minutes because you're up by 14 points. Or in the case of last night, you know you're up by 27, but Sean Mannion is a different conversation. And you say that I'm slobbering all over Matt LaFleur. He just did something. His team just did something that has never been done before in NFL history. He has the best record through the first three years of any head coach ever. Better than George Seifert. Well, he had Rodgers. Rodgers was a 500 quarterback through his last 50 games when Matt LaFleur got to town. Why do we not remember that? Why do we forget about that? Mike McCarthy had to be fired, and they had to do an organizational overhaul. And we need to tear down all these silos. That's what Mark Murphy said. Everyone reports to me. We're shaking things up. That's how bad it got. Relatively bad. Yeah, they're not New York Giants going 10-35 and 35 in their last 45 games. But when Matt LaFleur got to town, Rodgers was 24-23-1 in his 48 previous starts. It's not like he just came in and took the reins from another head coach who was doing amazing. Mark McCarthy lost control. And I'm not saying he let it slip away, but it just it just wasn't working for whatever reason. The idea that Matt LaFleur just came into a perfect situation, ah, he, had, he had advantages, yeah. But to act like it was a perfect situation that he walked into, I just think we're remembering things incorrectly. That's revisionist history. 608-796-2558. Give me a call or a text. I believe this is Dan, at least that's what my caller ID is telling me, although that's been known to be incorrect. Dan, is this you? Welcome to the show. Yeah, first time caller. Nailed it. All right, <laughs> Dan, where are, you, where are you calling from? Dan in Lacrosse. Well, nice to meet you, Dan. Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, I mean, back uh, when McCarthy was departed, I liked McCarthy. I, you know, I thought, what was it, 11 years, nine playoffs, uh, Super Bowl. Oh, yeah like three or four NFC championships. I mean, Detroit would take that Cleveland in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And I thought, wow, that's going to be tough, you know. And I'm all in on the floor. (laughs) Holy cow. He's just. I I was like, well, let's just see. Yeah. And winning is winning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I don't care if he uh, has a – a Grinch suit on at the sidelines yeah. with a record like that. <laughs> well, and I, I think, Dan, the last three years, and this is something I mentioned about an hour ago, all of these last three seasons have been different. They've had different challenges, right? The first year, he's got to make friends with Rodgers and get him to buy in. And then the second year, they just draft Jordan Love, and that's now something that Lafleur's got to deal with. And now this year, he's dealing with this uncertainty that's looming, and now there's COVID and Rodgers. That's become a story. Like, every year, it's something different, and yet the results are still good and they remain the same 13 wins again this season yeah it was interesting when uh, uh collinsworth was talking about uh the locker room and uh how the players say he's a a player's guy mm-hmm. where you know he, he's 
he's that young generation that listens and you know we all know uh Lombardi couldn't coach today <laughs> maybe not fired. yeah <laughs> you know he couldn't uh the way he uh coached you, you can't do that anymore yeah. you know uh, yeah i get it you know these young kids are different than they used to be yeah. you know but these are supreme athletes that uh you know it's about money and it's about you 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 have to coach differently uh, Reeves had the same problem, you know. Yeah. Uh, there, it, it's yeah, the, it's a new generation of coaches. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. You're a part of a new generation yeah. of callers. The first time caller today. It was nice to hear from you. Call back. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. That's Dan in lacrosse. Yeah, and and the idea that you know an old coach couldn't coach today. I actually, read some things about Lombardi, and maybe he would be considered like woke, like very pro homosexual coaches on his staff and players like you read coaches about that uh and, and part of integrating his rot like Lombardi was actually very forward thinking but it's the coaching style that's a little different now and now there's so much money in sports and this is a problem in the NBA the NBA player make way more than the coach they're the star not the coach so they're looking at the coach it's like wait you're telling me what to do you make how much money you were coaching in college five years ago I'm one of the biggest stars in the world I got my own shoe brand and I'm listening to you and I also think the players in the NFLs these days, they're, they're just inquisitive. They ask questions. They want to know why. They want to know how. It's not caveman, pick up rock, put rock over here. Now, that still exists in football. I think Matt LaFleur, as I said earlier in the show, walks the line beautifully between a player's coach and a coach that players walk all over, right? You need to listen. You need to hear them. You need to take them into consideration and what they think and what they know. But you also need to be able to make your own decisions and a decision that's accepted and respected by your players. And that's a tough line to walk, right? And it seems Matt LaFleur has done it. And also, Matt LaFleur in 10 years could be different. Five years could be different. And I think that was the McCarthy issue, too. When he was hired, he fit the roster really well. He fit the job description really well. And then down the line, players are different. The mindset is different. The situation is different. And maybe a different voice and a different attitude and a different approach is needed. That's what they did with McCarthy, right? They just changed it up. Sometimes you just need to change. And I think the Vikings, the other side of this game, they might need to end up changing and going in a different direction with Zimmer, maybe Spielman too. Let's take a break. We can talk more about Matt LaFleur and the accomplishment of the Packers. They're the number one seed again. At some point during the show tonight, I just I want to dump on the Vikings. And Vikings fans, you should watch you too because this is ridiculous. What Zimmer threw out there in his presser last night and just his approach, it's, it's just time for him. And normally, I'm, you know, we coexist, Packers and Vikings fans, on the show. But Vikings fans, you should be pissed, too, and you should want to rip your team because they deserve to be ripped today. So let's talk more about the Packers. Maybe we'll bring the Vikings into this conversation as well. Wisco Sports Show, back in a minute. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I don't have any updates right now for you, but I would say we've been optimistic all season long, and yet here we are. So it just, it's one of those things. I know those guys are doing everything they can to try to get back as quickly as possible. So we're hopeful, but nothing's guaranteed. And I know those guys are working their butt off each and every day. Matt LaFleur has been asked about Zadarius Smith, Jair Alexander. How many times? David Bakhtiari? 100 times? 200 times this season? 100? More? 200 more, 300 more, 400 probably. <laughs> that Michael Flynn thing that became a meme for a while. How many times do you think Matt LaFleur's been asked about those batch of players? It's got to be multiple times a week. It's never ending. Jair, Zedarius, Bakhtiari. And the answer has been, by and large, the same. But he's open to the possibility, starting to feel optimistic. I don't know. We'll see. 
If you just get a guy or two back, let alone all three or four, and then you can include Billy Turner in that group, obviously, as well. Randall Cobb, who Aaron Rodgers says he's back for sure. Obviously, he's going to play. Oh, 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 okay. So Aaron Rodgers is breaking news about Randall Cobb and his health. Interesting. We'll hear more from Rodgers, Adams, LaFleur, of course. We'll hear from all of these players kind of as a unit when we talk to Mike Clements tomorrow. At about this time, he'll join us at 5.30 tomorrow with an update of what happened in Green Bay yesterday, but in press availability today and tomorrow as well, and who knows. Rodgers is going to go on the Manning cast tonight. Maybe he says something insane or McAfee tomorrow. Maybe he'll break the internet with something. I don't know. We'll see. Mike Clements will be here tomorrow, 5.30, to help us make sense of all of it. 608-796-2558. You can call me and text me there. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. Um, Andy... I wonder if he's messing with me. Says, can you share the number for the studio when you say it? It's way too fast to remember. Sorry. Okay, we're going to tweet back at him so you have it in writing. 608-796-2558. There you go, Andy. Baboon. It's on the way. If you want to call, you can reach us there. And it's nice. I agree to have it written down. 2558. I wrote it correctly, right? 6979 There you go, Andy. Thank you for tweeting at me. At Wisco Grant. Talking a little bit about Malafleur and all the great things he's done over the last three years. Different circumstances, different challenges, three different years. Success is the same. Results are the same. Even with three different rosters. I think this roster is its best version this year. It would certainly be the best version if it's healthy. Last year, they were pretty good. In 2019, they were they were just good. But Malafleur coming in and stabilizing things. We're going to beat all the bad teams. Maybe we won't beat the great teams. Maybe we won't beat San Francisco. Maybe we won't even beat the Chargers. But you know what? We're going to win in our division. We're going to beat up on all the bad teams. And we're going to get a good seed and win a playoff game or two. Maybe get a bye. And a team in 2019 that wasn't that great, still able to make it to an NFC Championship game because I think the stabilizing force that Matt LaFleur brought along last year, much of the same, except they ratcheted up a step. We're going to beat all the bad teams. We're going to dominate our division. But we're going to beat some good teams as well. We're going to beat the Saints early in the season. Right? Maybe we won't beat Tampa, but we're going to beat... I don't know, who did they beat last year? I'd have to pull up the schedule. But you know what I mean. Number one seed, home field advantage, even though they didn't get it done in the title game against Tampa. This year, much of the same. Going to beat up on all the bad teams. I mean, think about it. They gave away week one to the Saints. So throw that game out. Their two losses, one with Jordan Love. I'm not saying throw it out. It counts, but it was Jordan Love. And then their only other loss was the Vikings in a three-point game that was... Not fluky. The Vikings played really well, but if you play that game 10 times, I think the Packers win it eight or nine times. Darnell Savage had a bunch of chances at interceptions. The Packers had a weird outlier number of penalties. I believe they had nine. Those are the three Packers losses this year. Week one to the Saints that no one remembers. It was Jacksonville. It was bizarre. The Jordan Love game, which was so winnable with Aaron Rodgers, it's almost not even funny. And it wasn't funny at the time. I was pissed. And then... The week to the Vikings, where it was essentially a coin flip at U.S. Bank, where Kirk Cousins and that offense had the best day they've had in a while, and the Packers just got some rough luck. And that's fine. Three losses. 13 wins. Again. Rodgers, it looks like, is going to win MVP now. And I realized this at some point last week. I started doing the math in my head, and I started moving the puzzle pieces around and trying to think this out. I started to think, Rodgers can nail down this MVP this weekend, and it wouldn't really take a lot, because think about it. Tom Brady is second to Rodgers in the MVP odds, and he was coming into this weekend. Brady plays the Jets. No one's going to watch. That's not a primetime. That's not a divisional matchup. That's not even a conference matchup. No one's going to watch that game. Brady could throw for four or five touchdowns. No one's going to watch. And he didn't throw for four or five touchdowns. They actually maybe should have lost. They needed a fourth down stand defensively, 
to get the ball back. And then they needed a last-second drive to beat the Jets in Zach Wilson. Barely. Now, this weekend, they play Carolina. Carolina might be the most irrelevant team in the NFL other than the Giants, who are terrible. But the Giants are from a big city, and they're at least kind of interesting. Not really, but kind of. Nobody can. I forget Carolina's in the league. Anytime that one of my friends is trying to quiz me on stats or like, hey, who's the number one fantasy wide receiver? And I start running through the teams in my mind. I always forget about the Panthers. They suck. No one's going to watch Tom Brady play Carolina next weekend. There's no ground for him to make up in the MVP race. There wasn't yesterday against the Jets. There won't be against Carolina next weekend. Rodgers, meanwhile, this weekend played in Minnesota or played Minnesota at home, rather, on Sunday Night Football. Now, Minnesota, like the Jets and like the Panthers, they stink, but it was at Lambeau. It was under the lights. Sunday night football, and it was like six degrees, which plays it up even more. If he just played pretty good last night, which he did, that should be enough to nail down the MVP, and that's what the betting markets would reflect today. Rodgers minus 400. Tom Brady is plus 500, and Burrow is now at three, which I think is fair. The Bengals won the division, and he's plus 1,000. He's not going to win it, but I think he should be above Jonathan Taylor and certainly above Cooper Cup. Good for Joe Burrow. He was nuts yesterday. And maybe just maybe we'll talk about them because they did something yesterday offensively that I think the Packers could learn from. Weirdly enough, Matt LaFleur learned from Zach Taylor. Hi. We might bring that up next or he might go in a different direction. We'll see. But at some point this week, I want to bring the Bengals into this conversation because they did some things yesterday that I found very interesting and applicable to the Packers. Rodgers playing at home, prime time, the theater of Sunday night football right? The weight that that carries. I said a few weeks ago that Sunday Night Football is like a movie premiere. It feels, of course, like a sporting event, but it also like a black tie affair, a a famous person gathering, right? Because everyone's out and about. We saw the shot of the box last night with Mark Murphy and Brian Gudikins. I thought we were going to get the shot of Spielman and Ziggy Wolf sitting together in the box, but NBC couldn't pull it off. Damn it. I was hoping we'd get that and we just didn't. We no such luck. Right, But every it becomes this big overarching narrative about the organizations and their trajectories and Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, or last night it was Tariqo, do such a good job of weaving that in, especially in the second half when it was out of control. You're talking about the future of the Vikings and the success of the Packers. I mean, that's just a breeding ground to lock in an MVP award, right? Brady's playing at noon, the Jets, a game that no one's watching, and Aaron Rodgers is beating the Vikings and ending essentially the Zimmer-Spielman era on Sunday Night Football in Lambeau, and it's cold and it's iconic. Yeah, that'll that'll win an MVP. That math was easy to see on the horizon. Rodgers didn't even have to play that well last night, and he still did. 608-796-2558. Vagabond John is on the phone. John, what's up? Happy New Year. How'd you know? How'd I know? I know everything. I got a very uh, complicated outfit right here. I can see everything. I Keep all your info. I know your credit card number and your social security number, too. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, you know, got to spread the love. But, yeah. yeah, and New Year's was great. I was up in the great uh, the great town of Hurley, Wisconsin, freezing my absolute bum off, Ooh. getting the snowmobile unstuck from the swamp. Oh. I tell you what, man, those machines are a lot of money and a lot of work, but it's, it's a fun time. Well, you have to travel way up there. I'm actually, so I'm taking a vacation day this Friday. I'm going up to Brule, and then we're going to go up, I think, to the yeah. lake, maybe to, like, Iron River or uh, um, Ashland, and I'm looking forward to it. It's so pretty up there. I'm jealous. Yeah, I'm from Hurley, and, you know, I played high school hockey in the Ashland area. My little brother's 14. He's playing high school hockey up in Ashland, so try to get up there once in a while to go watch the games. But anyways, um, with the Packers hockey, i got two things I want to talk about. First, the Packers. I think the unsung hero, and this is me putting my hand up, I was absolutely wrong about this. 
the backfield duo of A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, mm-hmm. I think, you know, in, in the sports radio talk on this station and, and others, is getting lost a little bit. That is peanut butter and jelly. That is Reese's peanut butter cup. Yeah. And peanut oh, John, we lost you. John. John! Metal loose battering ram. Yeah. Yes. I agree. First of all, but, you uh, cut out for a sec, but I heard you, the complimentary nature of Jones and Dylan. Do you know, I think they're the only duo in the NFL with more rushing yards other than Pollard and Zeke as I'm a here. duo. No, no. Okay. Oh, I'm, I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, you sound crystal clear now, John. What was, you had two points. Number yeah, one was the running back. What was number two? Yeah, so just hand up. I was a huge critic of the Aaron Jones signing. So I just wanted to put it out there. I know I call in to cut it quite a few shows. All the people that were hating on me then, you were right. It's fine. <laughs> that Moving on, a guy I'm still a critic of, and it's because of his consistency, is our boy playing tonight in about 25 minutes, Mr. Brad Davison. Is he the key to this Badger team? I mean, we had a big scare against a uh, – much overmatched, what was that, Illinois State, where he's going one for nine from the field. Yeah. Is he, I mean, Johnny Davis is going to be consistent. He's going to get 20 points, and I'm kind of disappointed because it means that this could be our last year with him. Whatever, he's great. Love the kid. Yeah. But is Brad the key? Are they going to be able to hang with these Big Ten teams if he's hitting, you know, six for eight one night? and then one for nine the next time. I mean, that's going to be tough, right? Yeah, well, and there seems to be no in-between with Davison. He's either hitting, like you said, 80% of his threes, or he's hitting 10%, and it's always at high volume. Like, he's always going to rip. No, I I agree with you about Davison. So he's the X factor, and I think, you know, if you're looking for a transition point, I'm sure a lot of Wisconsin fans and fans around the state, we got 25 minutes till that Purdue game tips off. I am excited. I think it's, uh, we got a shot. We got a yeah. shot, but uh, it's going to be a tough game. I hope they play well enough tomorrow to uh, to warrant us spending like 10 minutes to talk about them. If they if they give us something interesting to talk about, it, on the good end, I hope, I'm going to feel like that's a win, and I look forward to hopefully getting to talk about them tomorrow. Vagabond John, thank you for the call. Happy New Year. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. That's Vagabond John. Brad Davison has actually done exactly what I wanted from him this year, and it has nothing to do with his player's stats or his shooting Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple mentioned this on their podcast a couple of weeks ago. The Zone. You should listen to it. Or it's not The Zone. What is it? Oh, God. The Swing. I'm sorry, Zach. I love your podcast. I'm sorry I spaced out. Um, I believe it was Jesse Temple who said Brad Davison is leading by stepping back. He's assuming a leadership role and doing a good job leading by, by stepping back and letting some of these younger guys speak up and letting them take control of the program that will soon be theirs. And I loved that. And if that's what we're getting from Brad Davison and that's what I'm reading and hearing from people that are close to the program... I'm happy. And if he misses some threes one night, okay, he's giving them a lot more. As long as he's not getting in the way of any of these young guys developing in the next chapter of the program, I'm happy. Let's take a break. We'll talk more about the Packers. And if you got thoughts on the Badgers, too, that game starts in a little bit. Wisco Sports Show back in a few minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.